Colossians 4.2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer. We're a generation that's spoiled for choice and rich with options, endless information at our fingertips, but resistant to picking one of those options for fear of something better coming along. We're a generation, in other words, with a strong allergic reaction when faced with a verse like this that tells us we need to make a deep, costly commitment to the practice of prayer. Ooh, hives, just break out in hives. The problem with this allergic reaction to commitment is that life's greatest treasures can only be had on the other side of costly, long-term commitments kept. You with me? The less profoundly deep commitments in your life The cheaper your life, the weaker your life, the poorer your life is. Everything in your spiritual life I want to ask if this is going to be an overstatement or not. Tell me if this is an overstatement. Everything in your spiritual life will either thrive by prayer or wither for lack of it. How dare we study more hours than we pray? Listen to more podcast hours than we pray? How dare we? What are we doing? We are engaging in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hearts unrenewed, untransformed, so that that knowledge becomes a sharp sword in the hand of a fool. Are you with me? Everything in your spiritual life will either thrive by prayer or wither without it. If that's true, then a deep, costly, profound, daily commitment to the practice of praying is in order. So for today, I just want to highlight three different kinds of prayer. Secret prayer, constant prayer, and corporate prayer. Here we go with secret prayer. Many of us have arrested development. Do you know what that means? It's where our age continues to rise, but our maturity level stays the same, say stuck at some previous age. It can be 50 years old, but 14 in our maturity. Many of us have arrested development. We haven't gone on to maturity, and the reason is simple. It's not complicated, it's simple. If we expect to be able to live for Jesus without showing up daily in the secret place to soak in the bright center of the gospel, which is that God loves me. If we think we can follow him without soaking daily in that bright center, we're fooled. We're deceived. You can't. It's impossible. You cannot follow Jesus because you choose to through effort, just in the moment, anymore 
than if you could just enter a marathon and expect to win with no training beforehand. It's folly. It's foolishness. It's impossibility. If you try to perform the Midnight Sonata on piano in front of a crowded auditorium with no preparation, no practice beforehand, you'd get up there and no matter how hard you try, your hands would not obey. And your failure wouldn't be a mystery, would it? The battle in public is either won or lost well before anyone else shows up. It's won in private. Or lost in private before anyone else shows up. What we receive in the secret place with God, alone, with no one else around, what we receive cannot be got any other way. In the Old Testament, the, the priests are commanded day and night, keep the fires burning. Keep the fires burning day and night. It is your job, friends, to keep the fires burning day and night. How many times did, did he say that? The fires must never go out. No one else can do it for you. No one else can do it for you. And here's what happens in the place of secret prayer. Here's what happens. You talk, and he listens. He talks. Friends over on this side, please be quiet. You talk, and he listens. He talks, and you listen. You ask questions and he answers. You confess and he forgives. He counsels and you receive wisdom. You unload burdens and he takes them and carries them for you. Your load is lightened. There's a give and take. But let's just back up for a second and take a little bit wider of a view. What is prayer? What if, instead of thinking about prayer as asking God for stuff, we thought about it as intentionally encountering God? You want to know what's on my prayer list, guys? Just one thing. God. Not needs, not brokenness, not sickness, not issues, not causes. Do you know what's on the agenda? A prayer? What are we seeking, guys? I'm here to meet with you, God. I'm seeking God. That is the purpose 
of secret prayer. You know you get what you seek, right? And if God is your motive, God is what you'll get. And if you get him, of course you have power and joy and love and life and peace and everything else. You don't have to ask for those things. If you get him, you get those things. So prayer is not so much saying things to God, though it is, it can be. Prayer is the opening of your soul to God. That's what it is. Prayer is you opening your soul to God. Whatever else it is, if it doesn't have that, it's not prayer. You can say the words and not pray if that doesn't happen. Same thing at church. You can sing the songs, but if that doesn't happen, you didn't worship. And the time that we spend opening our soul to God, to the encounter of God, with the intention of getting God, it shapes us. Habits are a crazy thing. Habits are powerful. I'm sure you've driven home and got there and said, "Uh uh-oh, how did I get here? And you have no memory of the stop signs or the stop lights or the traffic, and you're like, I hope I didn't hit anyone because I'm at home now and I wasn't at home before. How did that happen? You've driven the way home so much that you know the way home by heart. It just happens. Spend an hour a day. And do you know what I think will start to happen when you're not inside that hour, when you're in the rest of your life? Just like your heart knows the way home on the road, you'll find yourself, I think, suddenly, without realizing how you got there, talking to God, feeling the Spirit, opening your soul to Him throughout the day without deciding to do so or knowing how it happened. Because you know the way home so well. It's a part of you. You're playing Midnight Sonata easily and naturally. Which leads to the next kind of prayer, constant prayer, second kind of prayer. I've said that prayer can be opening yourself to God, that that's what's essential in it. It can even be so simple that all it is is becoming aware of God. Becoming aware of God. I heard a description of someone's prayer life. He said, uh, uh, how do you pray? And the guy said, it's, well, it's really not that snazzy. I look at him and he looks at me. What an interesting prayer life. I look at him and he looks at me. A few years back, Carrie sent me a, a commercial for a bank. And the, the whole commercial was just people looking into each other's eyes. What they did was they set up a camera and they set up a desk. And, and was it a desk where they just standing and looking, facing each other? And they just stared into each other's eyes. And it was crazy. After about 
for the first five seconds, it, you could see they were kind of awkward. They would chuckle, they would smile, they would laugh. They would be like, this is so weird. We're looking into each other's eyes. Within about 30 seconds, more feelings would start to come. And, and you could see family crying and hugging and starting to fix problems in their relationship that they weren't talking about for years. Just by looking into each other's eyes, which is in some ways far more piercing than verbal communication. I, I, have you ever had people that when they look into your eyes, you have to look away? It's like, bro, I don't know about that. I'm feeling naked. That's, please look away. So this little, little peasant says, this is how I pray. I look at him and he looks at me. Constant prayer. Constant prayer is not a run-on sentence, you know, a filibuster with God. Just const to say more things. That's not what it is to pray without ceasing. Constant prayer is living with the awareness that the Lord is with me. Amen. Always. It's the awareness. You are with me here. You're with me now. It's part of the reason I do things the weird way I do things at Gateway. I don't get the band to break through to get heaven into the room and then quick grab the mic and try to capitalize on the presence and get something done. Because Jesus didn't have a band. You don't have a band with you at Food Lion. You don't have a band with you on Tuesday afternoon when the dogs are barking and someone's I'm not interested in riding the mood in the room and pretending that's the Lord. No, that's us. He's fully present and available at all times, just the same. The, the music opens us to Him. And if we can develop an openness to Him all the time, we can genuinely walk with God all the time. And by the way, I love the music. You might know that already. One of the joys of my first few months as a brand new follower of Jesus at like age 19 was when I discovered that when I say amen and I get up off the ground of my prayer closet, he's still with me. It's like, oh, wait a minute. I can live in this presence. Surely that's what Jesus did. So then, because I realized that, I set out to learn how to do my daily work and my household chores as a prayer. I, I don't know if I arrived. Actually, I know I didn't. But what an adventure to learn how to live an embodied prayer in my daily life. My so-called secular life is no longer secular when lived this way. It's Genesis 2 again. No distance, no separation, no temple, no, no mediator. The immediacy of the glory of God with me always and everything being worship. It's eternal life. It's a timeless form of life. 
It's like sweeping floors for the love of God. Washing dishes unto the Lord. Mowing grass with God. Explaining to Carrie why I'm right and she's wrong. To the, to the glory... Maybe not that one? Oh, okay. Well, delete that one. No matter where we are or what we're doing, all you have to do is just a very tiny little movement. He's here. I just turn the intention of my heart toward him in love, and suddenly what I'm doing is worship. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a subtle thing. No matter where I am or what I'm doing, I just very gently turn the intention of my heart. Receive this as love, God. And it becomes worship. And you know what happens? You are fanning the gift in you Amen. into flame. Amen. Yes. This is the stuff Jesus died to bring us, guys. This closeness with the Father. But me and Jesus, as wonderful as that is, is not the whole package, is it? It's not the whole package. I need more than just Jesus. I need who? I need you. And you need me. Which leads to the third kind of prayer, corporate prayer. Anyone who has spent time making fires, campfires, or any other kind, bonfires knows that the way that you arrange the pieces of wood matters. If you take one log out and separate it from the rest, it's probably going to either go out completely or just reduce to a smolder. You take a Christian out of the church of Jesus, they're probably going to go out completely or reduce to a smolder. But when you ask them, they'll tell you they're in a much better place. Face palm. But if you arrange the pieces so that the air can draw through and feed the flames and the heat from the various pieces combine, now you got yourself a fire, kids. And now if you put a green piece of wood on there, it'll bubble and steam and eventually, if you just leave it in there long enough, it'll catch fire. Amazing things can happen in an environment where your fire and my fire are added together. Amazing things. We, we read in Luke chapter 5, it says, The power of the Lord was present to heal. This is Jesus' ministry. And the power of the Lord was present to heal the sick. And we go, why? Uh, he's Jesus. Can't he just heal ever, ever, wherever he wants? No. Not without cheating, and he didn't come to cheat. He was fully human, depending on all the regular tools of faith, prayer, hope, love, dependency on the Spirit. Jesus was not exercising his unfair advantage as God. He was revealing what humanity looks like in its natural condition. And it looks like walking by faith and operating by the gifts and power of the Spirit, depending on the Lord. 
In Luke 5, something happened that drew the anointing in a way that was special and and unique to that time and that place, but isn't true in every time and in every place. Do you want to know what I think happened? Or do you just think God was in a good mood? Who knows, for whatever reason, maybe God was just in a good mood. But on Thursday, he was cranky. So nobody got touched. Is that good theology? Thank you for disagreeing with that theology. No, here's what I think happened in Luke 5. People's faith coalesced to create a receptive environment for God's will to be able to come to earth. So Jesus was carried along by a ship, like, like, like a ship carried by the winds, the sail filled with the wind. He was carried along by the winds of the Spirit, and the Spirit came because of the atmosphere that was cultivated by hungry hearts. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a place like that? Where an an environment of hungry, expectant hearts of faith does something and God says, now I can move. And he breathes in a special way and the people on the stage are just like, whoa. The preacher has words. The team has songs. The evangelist has open doors. The hospitality people, everything's clipping. Everybody's gift gets activated and it's like, We're downhill skiing now, boys. Have you ever been in the opposite spot? Trudging uphill in the slush, carrying a heavy backpack with everyone looking at you going, why is this not good today? It works in reverse, too. In Jesus' hometown, we read that he could not, son of God, by the way, could not, do any great miracle. Could not. Not would not. Could not do any mighty work because of their unbelief. He doesn't, like Mark doesn't leave it to our speculation. Explains the cause. Resistance. Hardness. Complacency. Offense. <laughs> ah, here comes Jesus. Ah, hate that preacher. He didn't, you know, shake my hand. He offended my friend. Who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? Man, when you take up offense at somebody, you do not receive what God put on their life. You block it. They might be as anointed as Jesus, but you're as dry as a dead, empty log. You'll get nothing. And then you'll say, oh, this church changed. This preacher used to be anointed. Yeah, he was anointed, still is. You got offended and shut your heart off. Now you think he changed when you changed. It's called unforgiveness. It's amazing what happens when you have humility and brokenness before the Lord and and you forgive. Super rare, by the way, to have Christians that are mature enough to forgive. Super rare. I'm not in your way. If I'm a mountain, go around me. Even for the Son of God, it was like slush 
Skis stuck in the mud, just trying, working. Nope, can't get it done. The Son of God, friends. That's how powerful this environment, our attitudes cultivate when we add them together. When our hunger and expectancy are, 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 are united, whoosh, God moves. He can move. He's free to move. It draws something out. Something incredible happens in the space. Lives are changed. The kingdom comes to earth. When we are united in complacency, it is tough sledding. Are you with me? I don't really understand what I'm saying to you, by the way. I don't understand it. I just know I've experienced it. I don't know how I'm right. I don't know why I'm right, but I'm right. It's weird. You know, I've been preaching a long time and I've felt different atmospheres and environments. The same group of people can have a different attitude and the, you don't need a new group of people. You need, we need a new attitude. We don't need a new church. We don't need to find a new church. We need to get prayed up and hungry and get after Jesus. You know, we, we don't need new friends. Well, some of us do, if they won't change. Sometimes we just need to be a better friend, though. That's what I'm trying to say. It's like, set the example, man. Don't, don't be a thermometer. Be a thermostat. Don't complain about the people around you. Encourage the people around you. Well, they're not on fire for Jesus, and it's just not fair. I, I need an environment where everyone's on fire for Jesus, or I can't be on fire for Jesus. All right, go back to point one, secret prayer. Get lit. Now light them on fire, boys. Let's go. A lot of us rebuke problems we're supposed to be interceding about. Okay, Tim. Talking to him, Tim's talking to himself now. He's a naughty boy. <laughs> Complacency makes real hard soil. You know, expectancy makes real soft soil. <laughs> My friend Dennis, something going to happen. When God is deeply wanted, when God is deeply wanted, when the saints gather together with one heart, with one yearning, one heart, one heart, and, 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 and not all the lists and the needs and who's got boo-boos and who's got whatever and problems and woof. And you know what we do in here on prayer meeting. We do lift, we do lift our petitions. We do make lists of people because every single one of those people matters and, and is worth the blood of Jesus. So we do make our petitions. But revival doesn't come from focusing in on the brokenness in the world, does it? It comes when we are in love with him and we're seeking him when we get an encounter with him. Yes. One heart, one pursuit, one longing, and one prayer burning in every belly. Even if the words aren't the same, the burn is the same. And it says, we want you, God. We need you more. You are what we seek, Father. You know what happens? You know what happens. We read things like this. After they had prayed, Acts 4.31, the place where they were praying was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they went out and spoke the word of God boldly. Boldly. Because Jesus said, you're naked. Wait till you're clothed. You know what Adam and Eve wore as clothes in the garden? The glory of God. It's just a theory. I could be wrong. Think about it, though. Get back to me. The glory of God. I 
I don't understand prayer, but I live by prayer, and so do you. Or I die without it, and so do you. One time God told me, by the way, this is your conclusion of the sermon. Prayer team can come up. One time God told me as I was laying in bed with my head on my pillow, he said, thanks for bringing my son Aaron back to me. I've missed him so much, and I am so enjoying this time with him. I'm just laying there in bed. Aaron Sterling. That was wild. The God of the universe says, hey, Tim, thanks for bringing my son Aaron back to me. I am so, I missed him so much. Think about that. That's interesting. I missed him so much, and I am so enjoying this time together with him. So, of course, I just laid there and cried and tried not to wake up Carrie. Because if you sob too much, it shakes the whole mattress. You know. So my pillow started to act more like a sponge. The, the right side of my face. It blew my mind for two reasons. First off, the God of the universe thanking me for anything is just crazy. What are you talking about? Thanks, Tim. What? Okay, I'm already blown away. That's going to take a couple of years to process. Secondly, I, you missed your son? What do you mean? You, you missed your son? You're so enjoying this time with him. What kind of God am I even dealing with right now? What a tender, loving father. He misses you when you aren't opening your heart to him. Remember I said that's what prayer is? He misses that. He misses you. I know a lot of us are like, he loves me. Yeah, but he also likes you. That's like another layer. <laughs> he enjoys your company. That thing I talked about of constant prayer, he, he made us because he wanted kids. It, we just do weird stuff. I can't imagine any relationship. Like if I had a relationship with my wife where I bust in yelling all the needs that I want her to do, then confess a bunch of sins and walk out. Guys, that's really weird. That would be, no, think about it. Hey, Carrie, I need you to do this, this, and this for me. Just want to let you know I was thinking about other women being real attractive. Sorry. Thanks for loving me. Well, that was really dumb and weird. And we treat God like that, don't we? Here's all the crap I need you to do for me, and I'm really bad at loving you. Bye. How about you sit with him? Look in his face. Let him look at you. Become his friend. I feel a real deep urgency on this. 